Hey. Hey. <clears throat> Hi. You're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I'm your host, Neil Rubenstein, and today I'll be sitting in traffic talking to comedian Khalid Rahman. Yo. Hey, how's it going? What's up, man? How are you? I'm good. Yeah. What are you uh, taking the day off? Taking yeah. it easy? Yeah, I just got back from um, Philadelphia. How'd that the, go? Uh, it went okay. Uh, I had a good, good audition, but I didn't get through to the showcase. Ah. Um, but uh, you know, it was a good experience. I did did pretty well in the room, at least. And uh, yeah, on to the next thing, you know. Is that the first time you've done it? No, right? I feel like it's No. Yeah, I did it. Um, I made it to the showcase two years ago, uh, and I did it again last year, and made it to callbacks but didn't go to the showcase. Huh. What, uh, are you like an analytical person? Like, do you go back and wonder, like, well, what could I have done different? What did I do that first time? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, I, um, you know, it's you're doing two minutes. So you, it, there's literally so many different things you could have done differently, you know, in terms of which bits you decided to do. Um, but I was happy with what I did. I mean, I did new things because they want to see stuff they haven't seen before in the previous years. So, um, you know, but you can't really kick yourself because who knows what they're looking for, you know. Right, right, right. And that could change year to year, too, like, oh, yeah. you know. <clears throat> Pardon me. How long have you uh, been doing this? Uh, yesterday was actually my five-year anniversary in stand-up. Oh. Yeah. I feel but, like uh, we, we did have this conversation. I feel like we did have this conversation. What, uh, did, you, did you start here? You went to school in Boston? Uh, Brooklyn. I, I started, so I lived in, lived, uh, grew up in Brooklyn, and I went to college uh, in Boston, went to BU. Right. And did you start here or you started there? I started here. Yeah, I started here, um, Brooklyn, and uh, just open mic in my neighborhood. Has uh, has that scene changed a lot in the past couple of years? We're in the scene in, in Brooklyn? Yeah. Or was that already starting to go the direction it's in now? Oh, man, yeah. When I, well, when I started comedy here, um, my neighborhood like had already been well into, like, becoming a gentrified neighborhood and now it's like turbocharged like um <laughs> i don't recognize you know i don't recognize like so much of my old uh block where I, where I lived for like six years when i was starting and then like um just growing up here i mean it's just like night and day you know what what neighborhood did you grow up in i grew up here in crown heights um and that's oh, where, right, I still, okay. where i still live yeah so it's just like uh it's crazy. I mean, this entire block has just been leveled to uh, build high-rise, like, fancy condos. And uh, that's just, like, continuing at a crazy pace. And, like, where do the where do the old residents go? Dude, I've been wondering the same thing. I think people just kind of, like, get start, start getting forced east because that's the direction the gentrification started to happen, you know, from the water in Brooklyn Heights to Park Slope, and then, like, it just starts going farther and farther east. So I think people are being pushed further 
Northeast, like into East New York, um, and then eventually just, I guess, into the, into the, <laughs> into Coney Island, into the water. Some people will be living on, on barges or something. Uh, I definitely know a lot of people who've left the city too and just like move south and cost of living cheaper. Yeah, cost of living cheaper. It's just so crazy to me because, like, I mean, I, I guess it's crazy to everybody. <laughs> you know, you go to these, you go to some of these areas, and it's like, well, there's like one old family that, like, you know, has like a fixed rent or whatever, and then oh yeah, every and then everything else is just like, you have to have your parents help you. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, I know so many friends, even just from high school and just from growing up here, who moved to like Detroit in the last like a couple of years because there's like cheap there's cheap uh, houses and like you know apartments and space to be had, especially for artists. So I wouldn't be surprised if like a a new like artist kind of like scene and even comedy scene um, starts popping up there because people are just like moving from New York and places like where it's too expensive to, to there. Yeah. And yeah. I always think about going somewhere else too for, for like, like here there's so much competition to get noticed. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like you go to a small town and it's like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm like a big deal New York City comic all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to um, I was talking to my buddy Joe Alfano about this, like how we so he, he we both grew up here in New York, so we just started here. But it almost would have been advantageous to like move to a smaller city, start there, like get all of your bombing out of the way in secret, <laughs> so like the people you were coming up with, you know what I mean, like um, see you like you know they don't see you struggling when you're first starting because you know starting here like most people who are who i'm I'm doing doing shows with all seen me from the very start five years ago to now and i've definitely changed people's minds i've gotten a lot better but um it's just so much easier like i look at the guys like all these people who came from chicago in the last few years and they just like got good doing comedy there for like seven years and came here like fully formed and so, like, no one ever knew them as, like, a kind of shitty open mic comedian, you know. Right, yeah. So it's such an advantage. I feel like I have a similar but opposite version of that. Like, I – my theory is start here. Hmm. Get good much quicker. That's not true. That is true. Cause definitely, like, like they say, pressure makes diamonds. And that's that's probably true because I remember when I first started – my second or third open mic, I, w- I saw um, uh, Dan Saint Germain, Sean yeah. Donnelly, and yeah. someone else who was really who was really good. And so to- oh, Mike Lawrence, uh, yeah. and these guys were all like starting to get on TV and stuff. And I was like, oh, I need to get a lot better, <laughs> like immediately. <laughs> like I need yeah. to step this joke thing up immediately because these guys are actually really funny. So I guess I wonder what it would have, would have been like if I had been, like, you know, starting with people who weren't as good in a town that wasn't as competitive. So that's actually a good point. Yeah, and, like, you can get – I feel like you can get better here quicker because there's so many opportunities for stage time. If you're in Knoxville, for instance, you know, you can get up four or five times a week. You can do that yep. in a day. And then you – know. Absolutely. Yeah, cause I, about, I, mean, I just did. Yeah. Think about the people you know that moved here and then just had to get at the back of the line. You know what I mean? Like, totally, totally. Um, so 
similar thoughts, like, oh, yeah, like, being somewhere else. But I feel like now would be, like, a good time to go somewhere else because, you know, you you can go go somewhere else and, like, get feature work somewhere else that you couldn't get here because, you know, it doesn't really exist that way. Absolutely. Uh, I friend, my, friend, um, my friend Miguel did that. My friend Miguel moved from here to Indianapolis for a little while. But yeah, then he recently go. moved to um, the Philadelphia area, and he's getting a lot more work. And he's doing things that he didn't really need to be here to do. Like, he started getting commercials, and, like, he just was, just decided, hey, I, the cost of living for my family is cheaper, and I can still do all the same things without paying, like, New York City rent and, and cost of living. So. Yeah, like, especially, like, like you're not going to get a sitcom tomorrow. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. So you got to build up to that. So while you're building up to that, you can do that away. You can do that somewhere where you can get road work easier. You can get your feature spots easier. You can make some money doing it. And you can do your web series from your living room or wherever, you know, like. Absolutely. Where you could afford to, like, I could afford to buy a camera if I lived in Chattanooga. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <clears throat> I, can afford, I can afford to hire an editor. You know what I mean? Like, I can afford Absolutely. to, like, and, you know, you can send footage via the Internet. Like, it's not like. Yeah. Uh, and also, also, like, this gentrification thing is so crazy that, like, when I was younger and I would see friends or, like, people I knew from growing up, like, move out of the city, I'd be like, oh, man, you're giving up. What are you doing? But now, like, I see how it is, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Why would you live here? <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah, this is not a great place anymore. Um, you know, so much of the culture has been stripped away, you know, with um, just, like, turbocharged gentrification and all these, like, you know, beloved, like, restaurants and bars are closing and all these performance spaces the last couple of years in comedy in Brooklyn here especially been closing. So I get it when people leave. I'm like, yeah, this is uh, this is a tough place to be. When did you decide that this was the path? Like, were you, like, growing up, were you, like, a nerd for comedy and you're like, oh, this is really what I want to do? Or did you, like, go to college for, like, you know, archaeology and then you were like, uh, nah. <laughs> yeah, kind of the second one. I, I, I always liked comedy, but I was never, like, super into it. Um, I just I just loved filmmaking, really. I loved, like, the idea of, like, people making movies like Spike Lee was like my hero growing up. I thought that was really cool. Um, but then like, I guess I went to college and kind of just didn't have my, anything figured out about what I wanted to do with that. Um, and kind of jumped around between a bunch of different jobs after, after school. And then, uh, just randomly, like I was, I was the, uh, best man at my best friend's wedding. Like, I guess it was like eight years ago. And, um, I wrote a speech and like put a bunch of jokes in it about him and his fiance. And uh, it was a huge wedding. It was like 300 people. And uh, I was so nervous to do the speech. Then I did it and it just, it killed. It like, I think it might be like one of the best things I've ever done on stage even to this day. Like it was, it was like, it, it was a hurricane. Like it was, I mean, it was, it was really, I was up there giving the speech and getting all these laughs and it's like 300 people laughing. Like, you know, now I know what that sounds like from doing like the comedy clubs and stuff that are bigger. But back then, like, I, you know, that's a loud sound if you're not used to hearing it. Um, and uh, I was just kind of hooked. I was up there like, oh, my God, this is this this is this is what heroin must feel like. <laughs> I was just so, like, excited. And then, uh, you know, I was kind of got the idea to maybe try stand up. Um, it took me like another year to get up the nerve to try it at like open mic and like do it for real. 
and it went so badly, <laughs> but it was so fun. I just like you know bombed like most people do their first couple times, and but it was fun, and you know I really enjoyed it. And I had you know I had like a little bit of a rough period where I quit after like a month of doing it, but I came back and I really missed it and, and worked harder. Um, but yeah, I, did, I mean I started stand up. Um, five years ago when I was 35, which I feel like is really, really older to start it. Um, so I definitely yeah. like feel like uh, in a different place than a lot of people who've been at it this long. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm in a similar boat mm-hmm. where I'm like, I really should have fucking stuck to it sooner. Well, it's, I feel like things kind of happen when they should. Like I, I know one of the reasons I started when I did is because I had a lot more confidence um, because I just started my own business uh, and that had that start going going pretty well. I started a dog walking business, and the confidence I got from building that from nothing into like something that kind of sustained and paid on my bills gave me the confidence to then try stand up. So it kind of all fit together, though I think it was probably supposed to. It would have been nice to start earlier. I mean, I see kids now who were so funny, who were like 18 at open mics. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I can't imagine if I had all that time in already, this, like, this, what I'd be up to. But at the same time, I have a lot more to talk about because I've actually lived the life. So I think I try to look, think of it that way. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, I guess I try to look at it like that. but Because mm-hmm. I definitely, like, when I, I started and then I stopped, and when I started again, I definitely was infinitely better than when I had stopped. You know what I mean? Like, for sure. Like, like I went from like zero to thirty, and then when I started again, I didn't. I started at like forty. You know, like it wasn't like sure. Um, but I, I don't know, man. I remember the people that were like doing open mics when I was first doing open mics. Yep. And they're all you know late night spots. TV specials, sitcoms, Friday. Sure. And I'm like, ah. Uh. But even like the business, the business has changed so much since between now and even and between then and now even. So you know, like, um, I think there's so oh. much opportunity now with like the internet and people doing their own things. You know, so I think you know you work hard and make your own things and put together your own shows and things like that. It's there's a different path than there was even from like when you first started, you know? Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So so many people doing things, you know, do you ever think about that too? Like, so our, our goal. When I, when I started again, like the goal is like, yo, want like a a comedy central half hour, like a Netflix special, but Mm -hmm. those things are going to be like, wastelands by the time we're ready to do those mm. it's like what are we what's the aim now you know what I mean like what am I yeah. aiming like I was aiming to have an hour special but like is that going to be the way of the album where like no one listens to full albums anymore and you just want the single like should I just be building like a shitload of type fives and get up on late night every you know three months like is that the new What's the new thing, you know? What are we aiming for? I don't know. I mean, I feel like the hour is probably going to go, if not go away, it'll become just less emphasized because of how many, because, you know, Netflix bought all these hours 
from all these people. Like they're releasing, releasing a new hour every week this year, which is just insane yeah. to me because, you know, an hour because the special isn't special. You know, I'm, I'm not the first to say that, obviously, if everyone is doing one and they're coming out constantly. Um, but I think this half-hour format they, that they came up with, with this this uh, collection of half-hours, yeah. um, the, the stand-ups they just released, I think that might be more where things are going. One, because people would just have a shorter attention span, yeah, and yeah. you really have to be into somebody's comedy to watch an hour of them now. Um, yeah. And a half-hour is just so much easier. You can put just like the hottest of the hot all together and just kill the whole time if you're doing it correctly. Uh, so I think that's probably where it's going to be heading. Um, and then you'll, you'll you'll have people independently producing their own hours, their own half hours, and I think that'll become more and more popular as things get more niche. Like the guys at Gas Digital, you know, just produced Dave Smith's hour, and they're releasing it themselves and selling it themselves and just cutting out the middleman and uh, using their fans they've got from their podcasts and their yeah. online stuff to, to buy that and to sell it. So I think that's probably going to be more and more, you know, podcasting and people getting fan, fan bases that way, the, the, which is good because it kind of cuts out some of the traditional gatekeepers. You know, you can't tell people no if they already have a huge following and they just do it themselves, you know. Like, I look at what Two Dope Queens is doing. Um, yeah. I was friends, friends with Phoebe. I've been friends with Phoebe since I started. And I remember a couple of years ago when she was just, like, struggling, you know, like, she'd, like, have to cancel shows because she was like, well, I got this writing gig on this magazine thing, and I can't come because I have a deadline. And now she's, like, selling specials to HBO, you know, and just, just because she started a live show that became popular with her best buddy, and then they made it into a podcast that became popular. And now they're, you know, they're just building off of that. So I, I just think, like, as long as you're making your own things and you're, like, Tending to that, making fans that way, especially online, then you'll be fine, you know. So, it's so weird, like, dude, the whole landscape is so fucking weird, man. Yeah, it's a lot different like I have, than it was. I have, like, I have a music background. Like, I, like I worked with bands and did a label and, and, and booked bands and, and toured and stuff, and, like... I just see what happened to that. Oh, my God, yeah. And then I came here to this universe, and I'm like, it's the same thing is happening, but there's so much. It's happening so much later that the technology, I, I don't know how to phrase this correctly. Like, when... Mm -hmm. When major labels started to fail bands, it became the Wild West, where there was, like, no infrastructure. It was just gunslinging. You know, you could do whatever you wanted, uh, but, like, there was no plumbing. You know what I mean? There was no plumbing. Yeah. There was one bar in the town, and you had to ride your horse to get there. Yeah. But now it's the Wild West here, but... In, like, high-rise apartments with solar energy and the energy. Hmm. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, absolutely. You can do whatever you want. You just have to figure out what you want to do. Whereas in music, it was like you had to build the system in which to do it. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in a lot of ways the atmosphere now is better, but in some ways it's, it's worse because – 
with um with people being able to build their own huge following via YouTube or via podcast, especially, you definitely can have people kind of bubble up very quickly. Um, but then yeah. I think a lot of it with terms of stand up, at least for me, it just comes down to like that. It comes always comes back to the live performance. You know, how consistently are you bringing it and really entertaining and really making people laugh on stage? And I think that people who are bubbling up quickly through these online things, a lot of times don't really have don't really have that ability to sustain that performance on stage and to really back it up. So it's a strange. It must be a strange thing for the consumer too, because like. You know, you come to like you come to love someone because you love their podcast, and then you see them doing their, you know, whatever their podcast is live. You know, they, they name their show that and do a tour of it, and you go to the show and it's freaking terrible. You know, I've had I've seen that so many times and had people tell me that at shows like, yeah, I saw so and so, I really love their podcast, but then like they didn't really have any jokes, and I'm like, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> like it's uh, they've been doing comedy for like one year, you know, like before. yeah. You know. Yeah, that, I think that's important too. Like the product, like uh, you you have to have. It's gonna come back to if you're funny. It's gonna come back to the the, the creams rising to the top. The funniest people are always gonna be the ones that that get the work, that get the the the. the What's the word? Uh, the rewards. You know what I mean? Like, I wonder but, about that too, though. I do wonder about that because I feel like a lot of unfunny is slipping through. A lot more unfunny is slipping through than used to be the case. Yeah, um, but but they're yeah. selling a product they don't have. Sure. So yeah. it's going to catch up to them unless they get better. You know, people get better. You know, and they yeah. sell this product at you know uh, they sell this product on YouTube and then they start. The, the speaking ink tour and it tanks and it's lame and then they're like all right I gotta regroup you know thank yeah. our fans again do a quick Patreon try it again and they're mm-hmm. you know you know how like sometimes you're at a open mic and like an Instagram star will show up sure and like do this and it's terrible and you're like all right but then you like kind of never hear from them again you know like they're like all right I can't do it this way. I have to do something else, a different version of it. The funny thing is, though, we might never hear from them again, but they might still be huge in, like, just uh, a segment of the community that we just don't know about. You know what I mean? Like, they'll have, like, a whole bunch of fans who are, like, 16 years old, you know, <laughs> who show up to watch them. I mean, I remember when Vine was a huge thing. You'd have these Vine stars start doing live shows because, you know, they could fill arenas or fill, like, the small theaters at least. And... You know, they, they they basically do their vines on stage, and they get you know a few thousand people to pay twenty five bucks to see that, you know, every couple of weeks. And I'm like, these people are making huge dough, and they're they're delivering garbage. And yeah. that's the kind of thing that I think is more prevalent now. I mean, just just having online following, whether you have chops or not, is a way to kind of make a living at it. I mean, again, like again, we were saying, I guess the staying power is one thing, but. It's just interesting that the industry pays attention more and more to just, like, how many Instagram followers you have, how many Twitter followers you have, more so than even, like, are you funny? Like, is this something that's quality? Yeah. So, it's, you know, it's hard to see what direction that's going to go. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, sad. I, when I was, uh, I was booking events at a, at a venue for a while, mm-hmm. and uh, we booked – uh, these four girls, they were doing like a, they were doing like a, I guess a speaking tour, 
Sure. It was four girls that all had their own individual, like, makeup tutorial blogs, basically. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, huge YouTube stars, like, the sold out, kids buying, you know, meet and greet packages and, you know, you get a lipstick set for an extra 50 bucks and whatever. And uh, it was these four girls, and they built like all day, like a set designer building a bedroom on stage for a 45-minute performance where these girls sit in this bedroom and read Twitter questions from the audience to the audience. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole show. Reading Twitter. But there's Just comics who Twitter. do that. There's comics who, do, who basically do the same thing, who, like, they have a popular, like, Internet thing, either a YouTube channel or a popular podcast, and they'll basically do Q&A as the the bulk of their hour when they're at colleges or on the road. I'm like, that's just, that just seems like, you know, you're kind of mailing it in, <laughs> but the people are into it's it. Just, people, yes, you know, people just want to be around celebrities. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it, right, it's disres- like, I feel disrespected. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because... Um, at the same time, like you were saying, like they figured something out. <laughs> it's like yeah. I don't know, yeah. they figured some way out to make a living at it. You know? yeah. And I wish I could do it. You know what I mean? I wish I could do it because I wouldn't do it like that. <laughs> yeah. I would give you a better product. I would give yeah. you a better product. Yeah. I would bring a great show, and then afterward, I would sit and take questions for the people who wanted to stay and, give, and ask questions. This has been on my mind a lot recently because being my roommate. Um, I was gearing up to like start doing things together again. Uh, I took some time off because I hurt my knee, but now I'm like back doing stand up every, every, doing stand up pretty regularly again and getting back into our projects. And uh, we have a bunch of different things we want. We're trying to pitch, and we've pitched in the past, but we're trying to figure out a way to do it where we have like to make sure it's quality and that the stuff we do at live shows um, is like matches up to the stuff that we're putting on on like online, you know. Um, and vice versa. What uh, what what can you talk about some products? Yeah, products? yeah, like we we um we had an idea for a TV show, um, that would be basically be about about manners. It would focus it would focus largely on manners in, in a comedic way with using sketch and talking head stuff. And we pitched it uh, to a production company and got some decent feedback on it. And we're trying to work on that. And then we're trying to get a live show going again where we do stand-up and book stand-ups on the show, but also um, show sketches that we've made during the live show, like on screen to the audience, and uh, try to try to like do like a multimedia version of a stand-up show. Yeah. That's cool. I've, uh, I've seen that uh, work effectively. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Pit, like the pit and stuff, they'll do some things like that. Absolutely. Creek, I think. Creek does that, too. I think there's some stuff. Yeah. Like and it's fun to, like, it's just fun to just flex a different muscle and to mix it up. Yeah. And especially since my roommate, LeClerc, he's gotten really good with his camera and, like, it's shooting all kinds of stuff, and he's making a blog and everything. So we're trying oh, you to... Guys, you guys are roommates? Yeah, me and LeClerc Andre are roommates. Yeah, he's super funny. I, I like him a lot. Yeah, we became friends a few years ago. We used to go to this open mic every Monday um, called Rooftop Gangsters which was just the funniest name for it because it was not on a rooftop and there were no gangsters. And the guy who ran the open mic was a poet. 
<laughs> so it was just nice. like the most like weird anachronistic place to do stand up. It was fun. It was so fun. I saw him. Uh, I saw him recently. I guess he was rolling around town with uh, maybe Brett Druck. Yeah, yeah, they're good friends. They go way back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, he's been getting back out there um, on the scene lately, and it's uh, it's like the time. I like the time of year where you really have to start really hitting the scene hard and going to shows and checking on what's happening. And, and a lot of times also kind of generate spots on the shows that people, you know, comedians are often irresponsible and just don't show up or show up late. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I've been getting a lot of spots that way too. So that's your move, huh? Cause I see oh, yeah. you, like I oh, see yeah. you on all the, like all the dope shows. Like I almost want to like, Edit this part out. I don't want. To, you know, like, I know it's like the big secret, but it's not a secret. I'm gonna, Anyone can I'm do gonna it. Do it's this. common sense. It's just common sense, you know. Like, I feel the big thing for me though was the tape because um, it's just hard. You know, it can be hard to get a tape because the best way is obviously just it's just tape everything, but that's exhausting in terms of like just remembering to do it and like feeling like you're gonna get a tape. I would get to see this about it, but then I I just I did a um I did a bringer show. In February, my first ever bringer show, and it was the best thing I ever could have done to get a tape. And now that yeah. tape has got me so much work. Um, I so I definitely say, recommend I was, people do that. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Like, I, I see people like running around town filming themselves like all crazy angles and shit. It's like, yo, you could get three of your friends to come on yeah. one day to see you do a bringer. Absolutely. Like, I paid. I paid for my friends to come. I paid yeah, you, uh, four cover charges. Uh, for my friends to come, because I don't want to, you know, have them pay to see a show that I knew was probably not going to be all that great overall, <laughs> which it wasn't. Right, like, uh, but I knew I would do well, so, you know. Like, if you feel like, oh, it's below you, like, all right, it's below you, but you need to tape. <laughs> yeah, it's and an investment. The it's, it's, just, it's just dope. Mm-hmm. Those it's crowds an investment. are always so dope. They're great. They're, they're, so they're really cool. juicy. It's, it's people's friends, so they're really excited. And then also, and then, like, you know, you invest in your career and get that tape, and who knows where it completes. Uh, you yeah, know, so yeah. I've been recommending my friends who don't have a good tape do that consistently, and some of them have been resistant to it, like, oh, I don't want to do a bringer. So, uh, I'm like, well, it's just like anything else. Like, you have to so risk so rewards, you know? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And you know. my favorite thing about those is, like, nine times out of ten, you're the, you're the highlight. Exactly. Exactly. And so people are just so refreshed when you come out. Like, I, 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 you're not, you're. I wouldn't say you're like as technical. Like you're, like, my, I'm like a word economist. Mm-hmm. So like, I come out and like within eight words I have two punchlines. Like, you're you you're ready. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the crowd is just like, oh, this guy has jokes. Like, my friend Bill is in this. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. I don't know. I just, yeah. I'll, yeah. And then like, a funny moment to see that that realization, you know. Yeah, like uh, the audience is like, "Oh, this is a real comic." Exactly. Exactly. You no, know, it's, uh, uh, man, I, I don't mean to. You know what I mean? Like, we want to be pros, and everyone else is a hobbyist. Not everyone. Everyone else on the show is a hobbyist. But well, yeah, and that's also the that's case I mean. for like probably ninety percent of people who are doing it. You know, that's yeah. one thing I've kind of come to accept as time's gone by. Like, people have all kinds of motivations for doing this. Or, yeah, or not. and I'm not shitting on anyone's motive. Like, yeah, that came across shitty just now. I feel like I need to redo that. No, <laughs> <laughs> hit the rewind button. No, I know, I know what you mean because, like, I used to. I mean, I used to 
go to the, go to the shows and, and go to Mike sometimes and be like, what is this person doing? And then I realized, oh, yeah, this person doesn't really care about doing this professionally. They're just kind of doing this as a hobby or, like, as, like, a fun thing to do. And I didn't understand that for the longest time because for my thing when I first started especially is uh, why would you do something that can be so brutal emotionally? <laughs> like, why have a hobby that can, like, make you feel bad, you know? But, you know, some people, everybody, teach his own, I guess, you know? Yeah. I I never get I never get frustrated. Like you need those new people, otherwise there's no one to talk to. Sure. You know what I mean? Like all the people that I started with, they don't sit and watch other comics. Like you need the new people, otherwise your open mic experience is pointless. You just do it in front of your mirror. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, and like the only time I get like annoyed is when it's like someone thinks they want to take it further but don't put in the effort. Sure. And that frustrates me because that's yeah. like, well, you think what I'm doing is easy? You think that we're not putting in the effort? Like, I don't know. That that gets me. But that's a personal thing that I have to probably get over to. Like, well, we all have those kind of like, personally. we all have those little like kind of like personal like little like uh, you know, like these things that kind of need the needle us about it. Because yeah, the longer you're doing something, the more you start to have like kind of like your own opinion of what it should be. You know, I found that with me lately. When I go into a show, I'm just so because I produce shows sometimes. I'm so critical of how it's produced. I'm like, mm. I'll, I'll walk, I'll walk into a show. I'll, you know, I walk into a show and see like four things that are wrong. <laughs> like immediately, yeah. like I'm like, why, why is the lights on? Why is there music on? Why? Yeah, I'm like, there's no music. How come no one's seating anyone? How come people are sitting in the back? Like, I, I, immediately, I'm like, this is, you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. I do this differently. But my my main thing lately has been lighting because I'm just getting yeah. so annoyed with showing up to these places, uh, and like I'm like, man, I'm the only black comic on this show, and I know the audience can't see me. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like, spend forty dollars and get a spotlight. Like, what are we? What are we doing? What are we doing? Especially when the venue, like, I, I don't want to talk. Sh- All right, uh, let's say Bunga's Den, since it's fucking out of business and I'm not like shit talking. Why is the only light in the middle of the stage? Yeah. Like you have, you own a venue. Mm-hmm. You own a venue. You built the stage. Better question. Why, why, is there no, why is there no air conditioning? There's a million other issues with my That's fucking aid. <laughs> yeah, like, there's a lifetime warranty on most mic cables. You couldn't get your cable fixed. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you can see that. I'll even see that at some, some comedy clubs. Like, I'm obviously not going to name any names, but yeah, I'm just like, yeah, some of these clubs, these cords are gnarled. It looks like something out of, like, you know, the war, like, you know, for the dead or something. It's, it's nuts, the walking dead. Like, yeah. I'm like, this, this, this is a $25 thing you could easily fix. But, uh, you know. And, and, and I'm not exaggerating. Most, most cables have lifetime guarantees where yeah. <laughs> you can just bring it to Guitar Center and get a new one. <laughs> yeah, it's just not it's just not caring, you know. You just have to have a yeah. certain a, a base level of caring about what you're doing, you know. Uh, I mean, that, that stuff doesn't bother, you know, whatever. Like, uh, yeah. But, yeah, the light, that's so weird. Like, what, like, buy a clamp light. Put it right there. The 25 yeah. bucks. I'll, I'll give yeah. you a thing. 
I put something on Facebook about it. I got so annoyed. I just, like, I put something on Facebook. It's, like, one of the most popular posts I've ever had because every black comedian likes it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, you know what I mean? It's like, we can't, we can't, the audience can't see us. Like, that's a huge problem. It's a visual medium. Yeah, you know. but, but I'm uh, obviously not black, but, so I, I wear a hat on stage a lot, and it's mm-hmm. never a problem in the clubs because my face is still lit from the yep. from the lights. And you can see me do my little expressions and, like, you know, be snarky. But, like, that stuff's all lost if, like, the only light is above me. You can't see my face at all. Of course. And, like, I I didn't do my hair this morning, so. It's so funny. I got got so annoyed about the light thing last week because I did did two shows in a row where there was no lighting at all. It was just one was backlit, another one was just kind of ambient. And uh, the girl who I bought for the shows, this girl I've been seeing, she, after the first show, she goes, oh, that was really good. But, you know, I don't know if you realize, but I couldn't really see you. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, flew off the handle. I was so mad because <laughs> I had a good set and I was getting good laughs. And at a certain point, it wasn't really hitting the way I thought it should. Then I'm like, oh, yeah, they couldn't see my face. They couldn't see what I was doing. They couldn't see, like, what it, it was just weird. Yeah, yeah. They couldn't you see know. your... Your emotional connection to it, exactly. Pro or con. Hey, exactly. was that the was that that uh that like Penelope girl chick that you were with? Is that the girl you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, do you get shit from your community? Do you still talk to the people that you grew up with? Like, are you so like Not you still really. have a lot of friends? Uh, most people oh, have okay. moved away, actually. Um, but I, I have friends from high school for sure. Um, my three. Do they? I'm sorry. Do they give you grief about dating white girls? Like, what's that like in the in that community? Not really. I mean, I, my my three best friends um, from growing up. My friend Pete, who's a white dude from Brooklyn, uh, we went to high school together. Uh, my friend Sean, black dude, also from Brooklyn. He's the first person I met at that high school. Uh, and then my friend Alex, uh, he's a white dude from Brooklyn as well, and he he lives in Providence, Rhode Island now. So I'm only, I'm only getting any crap. I mean, Sean dates white women also. Um, uh, my family is pretty pretty cool about it. They, I've dated different races, and they're, they're they're fine no matter what. I think they just want me to settle down with someone because I'm almost uh-huh. 40. <laughs> I think that's the right. big thing. They're just like, why are you still living this Playboy lifestyle? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and also my mom doesn't, <laughs> my mom doesn't have any grandkids, so that's like a that's probably like a sticking point. Although she never says anything about it, I wonder if she's like annoyed because. She is like, you know, she has four adult kids and no grandkids. And, like, I don't think any black woman has ever had that happen. <laughs> I, think, I think that's literally, like, probably illegal. So, um, you know, so she's, like, literally her only – she's the only one in her friend group who does not have several grandkids. Um, so that's, like, kind of weird for her. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, I think times have just changed. I don't think anyone really cares. I think also, like, people are just so, especially in New York, are so narcissistic and into what they're doing. They don't really care about what anyone else is doing. You know what I mean? I almost feel like, I feel like. It's an interesting way to look at uh, acceptance. Yeah. I think, yeah. Like, people are more socially accepting just because there's so much more in I think that's what it is in big cities. I think that's what it, what it is when it comes to like that area of like racism in big cities. I think people are just kind of like so into their own project and just surviving because it's so expensive here. I, I feel like that like those parts of racism are more like small towns issues where people have time to like. Okay. To I, 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 like I have no idea. 
I always wonder about that stuff because, like, for I, I I always wonder about that stuff because, like, I hear the jokes, mm-hmm. but they never see it. But I don't see it because it's not me. You I mean, it's not my world. I feel it when I'm out and about, like if I'm with a white girl and we're holding hands and we're in a black neighborhood or a neighborhood that's like a mixed neighborhood and you'll see some like some, some stairs that are like unfriendly. But there's never I've never experienced any overt like, you know, people saying stuff or like, you know, talking you know, any talking shit or like uh, discrimination because of it. You know what I mean? Um but I think it's more subtle than that. I always felt like I was surprised, and this is going to seem a this is probably going to come across racist. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm always surprised that it took so long for pinup chicks to become like um, something that black guys liked. Huh. You know what I mean? Because that like that genre of girl is what stereotypically a black dude would like. You like curvier, like, yeah. Yeah, like if you think of all the stereotypes, like they like big butts, they like curvy women, they like, you know, uh, like wigs, you know what I mean? And yeah, but also like, a distinctive sense of style, too. Yeah, and, oh, well, yeah, yeah I mean, that's a... That's yeah, because most people don't really have a distinctive sense of style. They just, like, kind of wear whatever is lying around, or they have a very, like, basic way of presenting themselves. Um, right. It's funny, It's funny though, that's actually the first, that, that chick you're talking about is the first girl who I've ever dated who had that kind of, like, flair to her, you know, oh. and it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily what it attracted, well, it kind of was what it attracted me to her when I saw her, we met online, um, but I've never, like, really dated anyone who had, like, that kind of extreme look. Um, huh. it's just, and it's funny talking to her about it, because she's just like, uh, she, you know, she was saying that like she's in therapy, and she was her therapist was uh, she had a therapist who was like who tried to make it into a huge issue, and she was like, no, I just like dressing like this. <laughs> and she was like, well, how about we try next time you just come in jeans and t-shirt and see how that feels? And she did, and she was like, I don't feel any different, but I do enjoy dressing the other way better. Um, but she's also a stylist, so it's part of her whole packaging too. Like oh, people yeah. are more likely to hire a stylist who has a distinctive Who's sense of style. Not? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so, like, it's like interesting. Yeah. One thing I definitely I have noticed with dating her is that I I think I want to date someone who's in the arts. Um, I think that would be where I'd probably end up dating because, like, that's been more – that's been more, a better connection for me. And she is. What, do you consider a stylist? Oh, yeah. I mean, she's – you know, yeah. she has the same kind of schedule. Like, she's a freelancer. She's 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 going gig to gig. She's working with like TV shoots and like commercial yeah, shoots, and like she's making art. Like she puts together these outfits in a way that's like very artistic. And yeah, she's yeah. hired she's hired for her for her artistic sensibility. So I think I just vibe better with people who are artists. Um, yeah, so it's a cool vibe. Because I know a lot, like from the tattoo community. Mm-hmm. Like, so I know so many girls that like do that pinup look. Yep. And like, not enough of them. Like I feel like not enough of them were getting hit on by black dudes, and it's like huh. <laughs> you have all the things that they seem yeah. to like. I don't know what's That's going interesting. on. It's really interesting. But then when I saw I saw you with her, and I was like, there you go. That's what I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's super cute. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really weird thing. Like my my taste also is all over the place. Um, uh, you dated like a tons of. You've dated all races. You've dated like uh, all ethnicities. Recently, it's been mostly white girls, um, and I don't know that I don't know if I feel any particular way about that. Uh, I would. I'm. I mean, I, I'm attracted to all kinds of girls, and I see them walking around on the street. Uh-huh. Um, but I think I think part of it's because I've been d- doing so much online dating. And just statistically, there's just mostly white girls online. A lot of like women of color are just not online for a lot of reasons. Specific, huh. um, specifically, there well, there's 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 always there's always statistics that show that, that women of color, uh, especially black women, get the least amount of attention online. So they're just like opting out of doing it altogether. Like they get the, I, least, the least responses, they get the least me- the emails, the least winks, all that stuff. You know, so Asian guys and black place. women. Yeah, those are the two. Yo, uh, I'm about to park, dude. We get it. No, oh, nice. The whole it thing. Fun. It was really uh, fun. Thank you. I wish we could have said more racist stuff earlier. But, uh, <laughs> I'm glad this. Uh, I'm glad it worked out. Yo, thanks for staying up on me too about doing it, about getting it done. Oh, no uh, problem, man. Because I would have just drove in today and been bored in traffic. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything you gotta like uh, plug uh, website? Anything fun? Oh yes, it's at Electric Laughs. It's my uh, my monthly show. It's my baby. I've been doing it for a year now. Uh, it's a continuation of a show I used to have called It's All Been Coming. Um, it's in Crown Heights. It's every first Friday at Franklin Electric. You can find all the information at Electric Laughs on Instagram and Twitter. Yep. All right. And. Uh... And that was that the, you said that's a monthly. It's a monthly. It's every first Friday, and we have a great lineup. Every we have great lineup. We have free drinks. Also, we make this uh, magic punch surprise. It's like fancy vodka punch. Me and the owner make for the audience. So it's a uh, it's a really good that's a really good time. And uh, it's well lit. I'm assuming. It's well lit. Yes, bring it back. <laughs> it is always well lit. You can't talk the shit you're talking. And Absolutely. Then a show to your show, and it's fucking backlit. No, 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 no. It is, you are seen in my show. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, man. Yo, thank you so much for doing this. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'm sure I'll see you at a mic today or tomorrow. All right, man. Thank you. All right, man. Peace. Peace. Jerk, Neil.